Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you a story, the perfect example of long-suffering. It happens to be about a man I met, the father of the head of this ministry, Doyle Davidson. Lyle Luther Davidson married Alba Sarah Miller in Jasper County, Missouri in 1927. Alba's father, Lyle's father-in-law, was Frank Miller. Frank Miller was a strawberry farmer, the son of a cavalryman, a constable, a hater of communism, and a lover of this country. Some considered him a hard man. Frank was not afraid to stand up to anyone. But Lyle, his son-in-law, knew that Frank did not know Jesus. Frank ended up in the hospital for, if I have this right, about nine weeks. As anyone can remember, for almost every night, every night, Lyle Davidson would spend the night in the hospital, sitting in a chair, praying and talking with his father-in-law all night long. He would leave in the morning and then go to work. He spent weeks, every night, talking, praying with his father-in-law. Why? He wanted to be sure. He wanted to be sure that Frank Miller would go to be with Jesus. John fifteen thirteen states, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Lyle spent night after night in that hospital. While still in the hospital, weeks into his stay, Frank's wife died and she was buried. Lyle didn't stop. Every night spent praying, talking to Frank about his salvation. Then on July 20th, 1964, as Lyle was seated next to him, Frank called out to him, Lyle, Lyle, Jesus is standing at the foot of my bed. Right after that, Frank Miller died. Do you think that Lyle accomplished what God put in his heart to do? Do you think he was able to deliver Frank Miller into heaven? When Frank Miller himself said, I see Jesus standing at the foot of my bed. What a blessed assurance. On a blessed note, Lyle Luther Davidson himself died in February of 1996. His daughters had told him that they believed he needed to go to a nursing home. And Lyle answered back with them and said, well, let me go home and consider it tonight. He talked to each of his children, Doyle included. Then he sat back in his chair with one of his daughters at his side, closed his eyes, and he was off. He went to be with Jesus. That's what he and his heavenly father thought about a nursing home. I laugh every time I consider that. He is now in the heavenly Jerusalem, along with his father-in-law, Frank Miller. I think the perfect song to begin this program with is Blessed Assurance, done by the My Girls, which happens to be Lyle Luther Davidson's granddaughter and great-granddaughters. And singing along with the My Girls is Glenda Shane, which happens to be Lyle Luther's youngest daughter. 
You may know the song. If you do, join with it and let God minister the power of God to you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
ago, I went through some time of very little money. I believe God put me in that situation to humble me, to learn how to follow him and to learn how to live by faith. I had four children to feed. And I remember on that particular day, there was no money to go to the grocery store. And I remember looking through the closets and the refrigerator, trying to see what we were going to eat that night for dinner. And the only thing I could find were some potatoes. Now I had some ketchup and some spices and things like that, but I had no real food but potatoes. And I thought to myself, well, thank God. Thank God. If potatoes is all we have to eat, then thank God we have potatoes to eat. And I took them out and I remember laying them on the counter to wash so that we could have potatoes that night. And soon after that, there was a knock on my front door and I went to answer it. It was my neighbor down the street. He was a Baptist minister and he had something in his hands. I remember he looked at me with this big smile on his face and he said, Kathy, I've been out fishing today and I had a great catch. He said, I have too many. Would you like some of this fresh fish? I'd love to give it to you. And I looked down and, and there was a pile of these fish and they were already clean and filleted. He said, would you like some? I said, oh yeah. And I thanked him and I went back into the kitchen and I started thanking God that he provided our dinner that night. We had a great dinner of fish and chips. It was a wonderful dinner. You know why it was wonderful? Because God provided it. Because it was provided by the Spirit of God. And you wonder, well, how did those miracles happen to you? How does the power of God work in your life? Well, I'll tell you. And I want to start with some of my favorite scriptures. And you're going to be surprised of what some of my favorite scriptures are. I'm going to begin in Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Yes, this is some comforting scriptures. Verse 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an opaline sepulcher. This is talking about all of us. And their tongues, they have used deceit. Ever tell a lie? The poison of asp is under their lips. Have you ever had somebody say something to you that just cut, that just hurt? Verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. When I read these scriptures years ago, when God was dealing with my heart, they were a comfort to me. They were a comfort to me. Do you know why they were a comfort? Because then I realized that God wasn't surprised at my wickedness. That he wasn't surprised how wicked my heart was. And not only that, but this put me on the same playing field as everybody else. That we were all equal. That I was no more wicked than the guy next to me. And the guy next to me was no less wicked than I was. That we were all the same in God's eyes. As that first verse, there is none righteous. No, not one. None. Now, you may say to yourself, well, that's not me. Well, I want to read you a verse. 1 John 1, 10. And this is the Apostle John speaking. He says, if we say 
that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. If you say that you have not sinned, you make Jesus a liar. Are you saying that Jesus is a liar? And it goes on to say, and his word is not in us. What is God's attitude toward those of us described in Romans 3? Remember, it says there were none righteous. No, not one. Not one good. What is God's attitude toward us? Us, as in the wicked people described in Romans 3. I'm going to begin in Luke 15, verse 1. Then drew unto him, and this is talking about Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Look who came out to listen to Jesus, the publicans and the sinners. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. They were upset because Jesus received the sinners and ate with them. And Jesus spoke this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Notice the shepherd goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he has found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Verse 6, And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you that likewise, listen to this, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Do you see God's attitude toward us sinners? He sent Jesus, he sent the shepherd to find us. Now it says over one sinner that repenteth. What does that mean, repenteth? What does it mean about repentance? Does it mean stop your sinning? No, it doesn't mean that. You'll find what it means about repenting in Mark 1, verse 14 and 15, and I'm going to read it to you. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus came into Galilee doing what? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. You know, if that's what Jesus did, you think we ought to do the same? Verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. See what Jesus says here? He says, repent ye. Repent ye means to change your mind. Change what you think. Change what you trust in. Change what you believe in. And do what? Believe the gospel. And we have already discussed on this program, but I'm going to do it again, the definition of the gospel. Thank God the Bible has the definition of the gospel, and it's found in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 1, Paul states, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. So Paul says, here it comes, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. You have to stand in that gospel. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, set at safety, everything you need, if, if, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, 
unless you have believed in vain. Do you see you can believe in vain? But we're not after that. We're after believing. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Paul received it. Now he's delivering it. Here is the gospel. How? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus died that he was buried, and that he rose again. And Jesus said in Mark 1, Repent you, change your will, change your mind, change what you trust in, and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus told us to do, to believe the gospel. So if we are, and we are, that person in Romans 3 the ones that are not righteous, no, not one, that are not good, that have no fear of God. What do we believe about that gospel? I'm going to go to Isaiah 53, and we're going to look at verse 6. Remember, we just had the parable about that lost sheep, that lost sheep, that wicked sinner lost, and how God sent the shepherd out to find it. Now, let's look at verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. This is Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's take a look at that verse a little closer. All we like sheep, that is all of us, have gone astray gone away from God. We have turned everyone to his own way. Every one of us have done our own thing, have gone away from God, have not obeyed his voice. And look what God did, or look what God did for us. And the Lord, that word is Jehovah, and the Lord, the Father, has laid on him Jesus the iniquity of us all. Do you see that going our own way and going astray is iniquity? If you look that word up in Strong's, it's iniquity, it's perversity, it's depravity. That all of us, by going our own way, have committed iniquity. And what did the Father do with that? He laid it on the body of Jesus. He laid our sin and our iniquity on the body of Jesus when he was on the tree. How do you know that? Let's take a look at that body. What does iniquity, what does sin do to a person's body? Look at Jesus. That body with our sin was nailed to a tree. He wasn't hung up there. He was nailed to the tree. And it states in Isaiah 52, every bone out of joint. He was marred more than any man. If you would have looked at that body on the tree, the shoulders wouldn't be where the shoulders should be. The elbows weren't where the elbows should have been. The hips weren't where the hips should have been. The knees weren't where the knees should have been. The ankles weren't where the ankles should have been every bone was out of joint. That's what sin does to a body. 
That's what your iniquity and my iniquity did to Jesus. It caused every bone out of joint. And yet the man stayed alive. He stayed alive until he accomplished everything he had to do for us. And he paid for your and my iniquity, our sin on his own body. And he felt all of it. And when that iniquity was placed on him, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The father had to turn away from him. A body where every bone had a joint, nailed to a tree, tortured, marred more than any man. And now the father rejects him. And when he knows that he has accomplished everything that he needed to do for you and I, he bowed his head, said, it is finished. And with a loud cry, gave up the ghost. And then that spirit, that spirit and the soul of Jesus went to hell. Why did he go to hell? To pay for that iniquity and sin for you and I. He suffered in hell for us. He suffered the wrath of God for us. For us. For the people that we talked about in Romans 3, you and I. The ones that were not any good. The ones that were not righteous. The ones that were wicked. He paid for it in hell. And the father saw the travail of his soul in Isaiah 53. And he was satisfied. And he raised Jesus from the dead and he raised you and I with him because sin was paid for sickness was paid for poverty was paid for everything was paid for Jesus became alive how could God get me that fish that I needed to feed my family how could I have deserved for God to take care of me by giving me fish to feed my family how through the gospel Through the gospel, Jesus paid for everything that was between me and the Father. And he was able to help me by the power of God sending food to feed my family. And he will do the same thing for you. If you trust him, if you cling to what Jesus did for you on the cross and in hell and being raised from the dead... He will do the same thing for you that he has done for me. He is no respecter of persons. We saw that in Romans 3. We're all in the same boat. But if you trust that gospel, as it says in Romans 1, that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel, for it was the power of God unto salvation. The power of God, the gospel brought me fish to feed my family. He will do the same thing for you if you believe. Let's finish the program with a great song, Eternal River, written here at Water of Life, ministered by the Brown Brothers. All of the music that I share with you is available for free to download, along with all of my radio programs and videos. If you will go to my website, Kathy Davidson, K-A-T-H-I-E, Davidson, W-O-L, as in Water of Life, dot com. beginning of time the spring began to flow 
In a garden he called Eden, where man and wife abode. But the stream was downed by wife and man, sin brought it to an end. It would take a life most precious to bring the flow again. There's a river flowing from God's grove, it flows eternally. Flowing with His love for you and me. Perfecting holy righteousness in me. In time the spring would wind its way through a garden by a hill. Where the Son of Man was lifted up to obey His Father's will. And He rose again triumphant the truth for all to know, and in an upper room the faithful felt the rivers overflow. There's a river flowing from God's throne, it flows eternally, flowing with His love for you and me, perfecting holy righteousness in me. Side, the tree of life bearing fruits throughout the year. And where that stream will flow, the waters live and the tree will grow and its leaves for the healing of the nations. And its leaves for the healing of the nations. There's a river flowing from God's throne. It flows eternally, flowing with His love for you and me, perfecting holy righteousness in me. There's a river flowing from God's throne, it flows eternally, flowing with His love for you and me. It flows eternally, flowing with His love for you and me, perfecting holy righteousness in me. There's a river flowing from God's throne, it flows eternally, flowing with His love for you and me. Perfecting holy righteousness in me. Thank you for joining me and the musicians from Water of Life Church. I would love to hear from you. You may reach me by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at Kathy Davidson, W-O-L dot com. Or you may write me at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas. 75086. You may find me on the internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. 
Until next time, God bless.